Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term Show, hold on, let me just fix the mics here for one second. On this episode of the Your Life, Your Term Show, we are sitting down with Daniel Prince. Daniel Prince is someone I stumbled upon when I got onto one of Saifedean Amous's webinars. And Saifedean Amous, if you don't know, he's the author of the amazing book, The Bitcoin Standard. So last spring, when I went down that rabbit hole, and I found myself on a, on a Saifedean webinar, um, that I was going on semi-regularly, but we've gotten too busy, haven't been able to kind of keep that regular, but I love them, such a smart dude. And uh, there was this guy, Daniel Prince, on there. And I, I don't know how, but I ended up stumbling upon his Twitter feed, and I realized he's the author of a book called Choose Life, The Tools, Tricks, and Hacks of Long-Term Family Travelers, World Schoolers, and Digital Nomads. And it struck me that anyone who writes a book like that, by the way, I bought the book and read it, um, he's living life on his terms. And I came to learn that he quit his job and he was a currency trader, quit his job, decided to you know, walk away from it all, had four kids and live a digital nomad life, a sovereign individual, if you will. And again, I realized this is someone I need to chat with more um, to share his story because we're all about living life on your terms and we're trying to share stories of other people living life on their terms and he definitely fits that bill. He is the host of a podcast called Once Bitten. It focuses on Bitcoin quite a lot for reasons that you'll hear in this episode. Um, he does a great job with it, has fantastic guests. I'd highly recommend subscribing to his podcast. Again, it's called Once Bitten. You can learn more about him and follow him on Twitter. He's very outspoken in a great way on Twitter at Princey1976 is the Twitter handle at Princey1976. And if you... Do st or if you do hear me referring to him or calling him Princey, it's because of that Twitter handle. Everyone seems to call him Princey and I found myself calling him Princey. So at Princey1976, and we just talk about what did they go through, him and his wife, about, you know, thinking that about around, sorry, the thinking around taking their kids out of their regular school system. And what did they think about finances? How were they going to pay and afford like the biggest cost we all have is rent or your mortgage? And you'll hear him explain how he was able to overcome that. So on this episode, you're listening to someone who is living the digital nomad life, who, you know, kind of represents the sovereign individual that I think we're going to see more of over the next 10 years. I think we're going to see more and more of us living a individually sovereign type of life and all supporting each other in great and wonderful ways. And I think it's going to lead to more prosperity for all of us. So I think this is all leading to a positive place. There's obviously some challenges to get there, but I think it's leading to a positive place. So just pumped to be able to share this episode of the podcast with you. And he shares a bunch of books that we've documented in the show notes. So when you hear him go through five or six or seven books that have been really impactful to him when I ask him uh, about that in the show notes of this episode, they're all linked there for you. So if you're listening to this, if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast and you find the episode with Daniel Prince in the title, you will find links to all the books that he references. So if you're listening to this in the car, walking and can't write them down, you want access to them, that's where you can find them. And if you are listening to this and you want to figure out what a group of people right here in the greater Toronto area are doing to live life on their terms and what they're investing in, how they're choosing to keep their money and store their money and what, you know, what they're doing in the real estate market, whether it be student rentals or burrs or legal second suites or duplexes or flips um, or whatever, whatever rent to owns, whatever strategy that they may or may not be using. You can learn more about all of this stuff 
at the website rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's our website, rockstarinnercircle.com. We have books and articles and reports and videos on there. You can also register for our free introductory real estate training class where we share all the strategies that we're using today with Canadian real estate investors all around the greater Toronto area. We go through the fundamentals of population growth, housing supply, immigration, all of it. And you can register for that at rockstarinnercircle.com. And you can also grab our app that has all this kind of stuff, including these podcasts on it at ylytapp.com. That's ylytapp.com. So it's your single stop shop for everything to do with Rockstar. And we're constantly upgrading it. We're about to go through another big round of upgrades on that app. So it's ylytapp.com to get the app. I think that's it. Enough with this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Daniel Prince. And Daniel, even though we don't know each other too well, I feel like I've been following you around like on the internet, on your Twitter feed, different groups. And I feel like calling you Princey. I don't really know why, but I feel like everyone else calls you Princey. So now I feel like I don't even know you. And I feel like, why am I calling him Daniel? I hear, hear everyone else calling him Princey. That's your nickname, I assume? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, for sure. And my, my Twitter is princey1976. So of course, people see that and um, stick with that. Yeah. So yeah, if I slip in princey instead of Daniel, I just apologize. Just consider us good friends, even though we're just talking directly like the, uh, right now for the first time. So I want to get into your book. But before we get into the book, for context, what the heck do you do in life? Where are you right now? What are you doing with your family? Just can you give us the context of what you I don't even know how to define, like to me, for those of you who have read The Sovereign Individual, because we're kind of always talking about The Sovereign Individual, I feel like I'm meeting a sovereign individual. And maybe you don't even like to be called that, but I'm like, wait a second, Daniel is like a sovereign individual. He's a British dude who seems like he's not living in the UK with his family. And he's, you know, has this Bitcoin stuff and he's traveling around the world, quit his job. I feel like you're a sovereign individual. Do you like that? Do you like being told that or no? It's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I am almost finished with that book. I only, I think I've just got like 10 minutes left of it and I'm shocked at how prescient the, the, the topics that they talk about in that book is just unbelievable. I couldn't have imagined reading it back in 1995, whenever it was released and even considering half of it to be anywhere near kind of true or forward thinking you you'd have just thought what are, what are these guys smoking right but now you read it now and you can look back i think the only part that they've missed was like the y2k thing they they, they were off on that but everything else is playing out exactly as they as they you know envisioned and it's amazing and so yeah for for myself to to be classed as a sovereign individual i i'm i'm kind of looking through the book, looking through the lens of that and, and realizing, yes, I did quit my job. Yes, I did become a digital nomad. Yes, I did take sovereignty over my kids' education. And yes, I, I am taking sovereignty and I have taken sovereignty over my, my finances with, with Bitcoin. And I want to be in a position where yeah, I, I don't, 
that even like the thought of passports just seems weird now. It's like, you know, why isn't the world open? Just like that, that doesn't make sense. And these borders, lines in the sand, you know, all of this, it seems like a really kind of like a flagrant thing to say, but because these these books and these ideas, they they make you think so much deeper about life than we've ever been taught to do before. Growing up in the education system, you, you know, you're just force-fed the knowledge that they deem appropriate to give you nothing else no other lateral thinking allowed don't go do your own research that's the education system whereas now it's like oh my god the world is just such a an amazing place and when you have that freedom freedom is the key thing right freedom is a big word in 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 our space i never felt freedom like it until i left my job in 2014 and my wife and i sold everything we owned and we we left we, we took our kids out of school and we left singapore we'd lived in singapore for 15 years at that that stage that's where my career was pretty much built and we started to travel and we would turn up in different countries and after about six months you're just like man we are free like there's i had some tax burdens left in singapore but that was automated that was going out of the bank account but otherwise no government knew where we were. No one knew what we were doing. No one really cared. We weren't getting uh, summoned into um, tax offices or school offices or bureaucratic, you know, kind of rubbish that you're used to just dealing with every day, the minutiae of every day. And we're like, oh my God, this is, this is actual freedom. And people would say to me, all right, Dan, what are you doing with your life now? Oh, well, yeah, we've just booked another home swap and we're going to be going off and staying in Australia for the next two months. They're like, what are you, what? when are you going to come back to real life? I'm like, life seems pretty real as it is. This is actual life. You know, to be free, to be able to make the decisions that you want to make on your terms for you and your family to what you deem is fit and best to do at that specific point in time. That's an amazing concept. But why is that an amazing concept? Like that should just be the norm. That should be natural. Unfortunately, we all paint ourselves into this corner and believe in... The, the education system and then believe in going to university and then believe in getting that job for 40, 50 years and believe in maybe you'll be able to retire at the age of 70 and then start living. I mean, that, that deferred lifestyle that Tim Ferriss points out in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, uh, is, is a real wake-up call. And I know you did the same, right? Just before we hit record, you, you had the same kind of epiphany, like this is nuts. Why am I Bullshit. selling myself? Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you're selling your soul to the devil for 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 what they're only going to take more time off you you know i told, gonna... I, told my, I told my wife that if i didn't quit my job i was going to put my head through the drywall wall in my office like i you know i'm like i, I just that's the, i got to that level of frustration where it was like either i'm gonna quit or, or something i shouldn't say that i get you know i, I was gonna say something bad is gonna happen but I don't mean bad to anyone else. I just mean to myself. Like I could feel my soul crumbling. Mm -hmm. I could feel myself. This is going to sound crazy. I could feel my, I could feel the energy and the excitement and enthusiasm for life leaving me. Like I literally could feel it leaving me every day. And I was just, I was, I was almost like out of body watching this and thinking, 
I can't, I can't continue. I can't continue like this. I can't continue. So yeah, I, I can totally, totally relate. We get asked a lot of, you know, we get asked this question a lot, like, Hey, I want to quit my job. How do you know when it's right to quit your job? You have a, on page 25, I, I want to, I want to talk to you about this page 25. You have this passage on page 25 from your journal. I think it's from your journal. Yes, it is from your journal. And I'm going to read this out. I don't know if you want me to read out your journal or not, but I'm going to read, you put it in the book. So I guess you want to, you, you, you're okay with it. It says, just imagine the feel of dread and regret if in 15 years from now, when the kids are grown up and gone, we look back at this pivotal point in our lives and we had succumbed to our fears and decided not to go through with it, referring to leaving your job. Think about all the thought and effort we have put into making this decision over the last few weeks. We have ultimately come to the conclusion and knowledge that it is totally achievable to not, to not action this now would forever leave us asking the question, what if? It really doesn't matter what happens, good or bad. It will always be better than not knowing. That's a mm. great passage from your journal. So when you, you know, reflecting back now, because it's been a few years, to anyone who's trying to, to do that themselves, it would probably be helpful just understanding a bit more of what you walked away from. So what, was the, what were you doing? And, and uh, can you just walk us through that a little bit? Because I, I think yeah. we have a lot of people who are, you know, maybe in Toronto right now in a very similar job right? Um, thinking the same thoughts. So can you just, yeah, can you just can maybe give us some context around that period of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I worked in, in foreign exchange, foreign exchange brokerage. And uh, for yeah, 17 years and the last year of my career, so 18 years in total, the last year was in commodity markets. And um, it just, like you, I just got to the point but, you know, this had run its course. All of the fun that I, you know, and I had had fun in my career. That is without doubt that happened in the early days when you're building your career and you feel that drive and you feel that passion and you're working with good people. They're great times, awesome times. But what happens is over time, that just starts falling off and you just become the cog in the machine and you know you've reached that glass ceiling. <clears throat> And you don't want to um, risk. It's the sunk cost fallacy, isn't it? Everything that you've worked for to get to this point, you cannot walk away from it because that would just, you know, undo all of the good work that you've done in the past. And facing that fear is very, very difficult. Um, it, it, it happened to me because uh, I, I'd got to a point where I just realized you know, I got four young kids at home and each time I, I didn't even like picking up the, the, the office phone to call home to speak to my wife each day because I knew she'd put one of the kids on the phone and I knew how that affected me for the next half an hour, 45 minutes. I was sad, like really sad because I talked to my, my, my son or my, my daughter and I'm like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Oh yeah, daddy's on the phone. Oh, hey, how are you? Yeah, good. Uh, what are you doing? Oh, I play. I play cars. I play cars. I play cars, daddy. Daddy, play cars with me. I'm like, oh, what would I rather be doing right now? Like the one thing I'm already doing in the world is sitting down and playing cars on the little car mat with my kid. Instead, I'm sat here with a bunch of psychopaths, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> and you know, serving clients that just know no thanks and you know just it was just terrible uh, and I wasn't adding any value to to the people that I 
truly needed to be adding value to. And that was my wife and my kids. And that, that hit home pretty hard. But you can always hide behind the excuse. Yeah, well, I do this so that they have a good life. So they're going to have a good education. So we've got a good roof over our head. And so we can afford the big car and we can afford to go on the nice holidays and we can afford to go to the nice restaurants once or twice a week. Uh, and that's why I do it. Um, provider, right? You're male, you know, we, we're built to think that way. Um, and you would get angry. You would, you would sometimes, or me at least, I would sometimes get angry if the family didn't understand why I was pissed off at my job. It was like, don't you understand? I'm doing this for you. And then I would get angry uh -huh. back at them. I was like, this is all wrong. Like, this is all yep. backwards. Like they're upset. And they, I have a great family. I have two kids, wonderful wife, very supportive. So I wasn't, it wasn't a bad situation, but I just mean, maybe mean if someone mentioned, oh, you, you know, daddy, you're home, you're, you're, you're home a little late for taking me to hockey or, or you know, just a little comment. And then mm -hmm. because I felt so guilty of that. I, and I think you actually have this in your book. Uh, you have actually some relationship advice on page 41 that's pretty specific about men thinking everything's an attack on their ego. Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I, I feel like it was like, um, don't you understand? I'm, I'm doing all this for you. Like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? You know? And then, then just observing myself do that, I was like, what am I? This is so wrong. So uh, yeah, I can, I, I can I totally, totally relate to that. How did you... So then, you know, I know you stumbled into Tim Ferriss's book because you mentioned that in, yep. in your book um, and that got you thinking, but how did you think about finances? Like what, what was just going through your mind? Cause I think that's what most people think of. They're like, well, okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to walk away like Daniel did, but I guess Daniel had $20 million in the bank. So he was able to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like how, what, yeah. what was your, what was your thought process yeah, around that like what was your I don't know anything you want to share your fears or just your thinking like how, how did you tackle that yeah oh man tough very very tough um the I, I guess the the big breakthrough the big realization came when you realized hang on a minute I'm getting to the end of the month net zero anyway you're like ah, uh, oh, okay so hang on a minute I may as well not be working the ridiculous amount of hours per week if it's all gone come the end of the month. Uh, why not not work and give that a try? Because that's surely going to be like the, the same net result. Um, I've got savings. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, not the 20 million. So we'll work on that with Bitcoin. We'll come to that. <laughs> um, the uh, So I knew that uh by crunching the numbers we we had a we had a runway maybe nine months could go and uh you know if, if we lived frugally but we wanted to travel okay so we're going to travel how are we going to do that um okay we could do it this way perhaps and um you know we've got the nest egg try not to dip into it and try and figure out a way to earn money along the way and give me nine months can i give this digital nomad thing a whirl and can is there a different way to to make money and make a living and um you soon realize that when you do start traveling uh it's it's far cheaper to live uh the life of travel constant travel than it is to live just in your day-to-day -day when you are absolutely pinned down to those daily bills that are just 
bleeding you dry every single day. And we found a novel way to travel. We found a way to, um, we, we had a, a holiday home in, um, in Koh Samui in Thailand, which we put on a, a home swapping website, lovehomeswap.com. So now all of a sudden we could leverage the home in a different way entirely to what we had already been doing, like, you know, through rental. Uh, so we started swapping the property with people. And this is how we traveled. We traveled two and a half years around the world, primarily by swapping that one property with as many people as we could around the world. So all of a sudden, accommodation, what I thought, what I budgeted to be our biggest cost was gone. It was off the table. <laughs> it was a free accommodation. And the, the travel, obviously airline tickets back in 2014, 15, 16, they were still pretty cheap between certain countries. You could find those. You could pick those up very cheaply. Um, it's, it was just a, a amazing that you, you could get as far as you could on as it's such, such a small amount. It, I think that the most expensive month we had, I think I put it in the book, was 2,000 to 2,300 euros uh, for... My God, that month we even rented a boat to sail around Marbella because it was my, my, my wife's 40th birthday. It's, um, so, but other months, it might have been in the hundreds. You know, it, 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 it absolutely, again, changed every single belief system that we have about how to live and how to interact and how much certain things are or aren't and how you can live an amazing life on on really very little the the house swapping is that how you ended up in muskoka north of yeah. toronto okay so yeah. you were swapping that house just for other people through that website what was the website again love love lovehomeswap.com lovehomeswap.com you post your property and then it's just people who want to swap your property with you and mm -hmm. you start going all around the world you end up in Muskoka. I just laugh because like I have friends up in Muskoka. So you were right in our neck of the woods up here. And that it does. It takes the biggest cost off the table. So you have travel tickets and then you have food and that kind of stuff. But you're not having a car. You're not paying car insurance. All these things just kind of disappear. I love when you said you were going to net zero anyway with your job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's a perfect context in which to analyze the situation. You're going to net zero anyway. Yeah. Um, by the way, one of the places you swapped was an island called Vis in Croatia. You probably yes. don't, you do not know this about us, but our mother is Scottish. So listen, this is a, this is a British guy talking to, I'm half Scott, you know, my, my mom's Scottish and our yeah. father's Croatian. No way. That's the beauty of Canada, right? Everybody comes here when they're trying to run away from wherever they're trying to run away from. And, uh, we go to Croatia every year for a month, my brother and I, and, uh, right, right close to Vis. We're on the mainland, but we're right close to Vis. So, well, Vis is a little bit in the water, but we've been to Vis and that is a beautiful island to go yeah. check out. And you can eat for cheap. You can eat for real. You, you there, there's, I laugh sometimes when we're in Croatia, cause there's just like figs on the trees. And it's like, you don't even have to spend any money. You're just walking down a little dirt path and you could take five figs and that's going to give you enough calories for like yeah. almost the day. Right. So, uh, and then just the fish and, uh, oh my gosh. So you just, when I saw that in your book, I'm just like immediately having kind of flashbacks, but so you've traveled all around the world, but when, how did you tackle? Okay. So the next thing someone would say four kids mm -hmm. school. So you mm -hmm. just went down the homeschooling path and that, uh, you're pretty fearless. How's that, how's that worked out? Is that, is that, 
I assume that just continues to today. Yeah. Uh, so that, um, that's that, that style of, of homeschool that blend you, um, you'd term world schooling when, uh, when, when you're, you're traveling and, uh, you, you're learning through experiential, uh, means rather than just um, sitting down and, and hitting books and, and whatever else. Uh, and homeschooling is, um, it's, it's a mindset. It's a bit of a misnomer, actually, that, that term homeschool. Uh, what, what many people think is, because we've all been indoctrinated in, in the education system, we, we just envisage kids sitting down at a desk with their books open and mum or dad at the front of the room, you know, writing on a whiteboard. That ain't ever going to work. That's, that's school at home. And that is unfortunately what a lot of families have suffered in the last year. That's not homeschooling. Homeschooling is a completely different mindset. And it's the mindset of this little human being is going to learn. You just cannot switch learning off of a kid. We, we, we all learn naturally how to speak, right? No one, no one sits you down when you're 18 months and teaches you, right? Books out. This is what we can, you know, no, you naturally learn it. Um, you naturally learn how to walk. You don't have walking lessons, do you? <laughs> like you, you get up, you take a few, someone might hold your hand and help you along, but there's, there's no teacher. There's, you're not learning it from a book. And that, that goes with absolutely any skill. Uh, so we, we took them out of, out of school, big leap of faith. And we'd done a little bit of research into, into homeschooling. Um, but what really unlocked us was Sir Ken Robinson's TED Talk called uh, Do Schools Kill Creativity? And he delivered that speech in 2006, a year before the iPhone was even out. And, you know, just think about those days. Mad, right? You just think about that now. And if you go back and watch that talk, it's still the most downloaded, most ever watched TED Talk of, of all time. And that really unlocked us. That made us think, oh, my God, like he's, he's completely right what he's saying here. And he was a school professor himself delivering this so that took the fear away and when we started traveling <clears throat> we saw the difference it made to the kids to be able to like if we turned up in a city <clears throat> i always use the analogy not the analogy the example of when we were in rome i mean oh my god you know what a history lesson you've got going on there uh to to visit the Colosseum and actually see it and touch it and smell it and walk through it and then go back and start to study about it. All you got to do is open up a Google or YouTube, put in Colosseum. You can watch a little video about it, learn a little bit more. You can read a website or somebody else's blog post. You can watch a, a little bit of a film. Then I would set them the, ta uh, the task of, uh, right, now go build the Colosseum on Minecraft. Like, oh, right. Yeah, great. Boom. Here we go. <laughs> How do we make this round? These are all square bricks. And then they're on, you know, YouTube and trying to figure out how did someone else build the Colosseum on Minecraft? Because it sure as hell done it. Uh, that is, that's the ethos of homeschooling. To drive the passion of learning when you see something take hold of the kids, you know, People will say, yeah, of course, but you know, what, what about math and writing? And of course, yes, fundamental stuff. You'll take along a book 
for that kind of stuff, a Cumon book or something for, for math, or you just use a Khan Academy, a brilliant resource uh, for math. Um, so that's what we did when, when we were traveling. Um, and I want to make this point as well. When we came to France, we, we house sat. That's another thing you can do. You can house sit for people. People have second properties. They don't want to always rent them out. They look for house sitters. People travel the world house sitting for people. Uh, and that's a slower way to do it because you might be there for like two to four months in the off season when they're not using their, their house, but they want someone to keep the plumbing going and they want someone to, you know, do the gardening. They want someone to, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, so they need a, a builder to go and stay there and live there for three or four months and do some uh, extension work or whatever. This is uh, so many different possibilities. So we were house sitting in France for two months and, we decided we wanted to stick around and after two and a half years of constant travel, we wanted to slow down a bit. Uh, my wife and I decided if there was one thing we could give our kids, what would it be? What gift? And it was the gift for us. We both realized it's the gift. It would be the gift to speak another language, the ability to speak another language. Well, okay. We're here in France. Kids are enjoying themselves. Hey kids, do you fancy going to school? Like, uh, yeah, okay, we'll try it out. And they were 11 and nine, the two oldest at the time, two six-year-olds. Yeah, why, why not? Uh, it was like, okay, well, do you like French? Do you want to learn the language? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to stay in France? Yeah, sounds great. So we rented a house. We put them into the local school uh, because we knew that that would be the most efficient and effective way of getting them up to speed and speaking another language. And they had no fear of doing it. And... That was an amazing thing to see. My my eleven year old, she went to a secondary school, and and the, the three others stayed together in a primary school. And the eleven year old, she went to the secondary school and was fluent within nine months. And it's just been uh, amazing to see. We now she she now stays. She's almost sixteen. She she stays um, in uh, in in a school situation, whereas the other three they're back out and they, they world school uh, via uh, the internet on a platform called GalileoXP.com where they're on um, different clubs all day long with kids from all around the world. They don't segregate the kids in age groups. So my 10 year olds are, you know, alongside 15 year olds solving math problems together and building online blogs and, and magazines and building chess clubs together and, they do math club and writing club and science club. And they've got a VR club. If you've got the goggles and stuff, which my kids don't yet, they keep tugging on my arm for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's um, it's been an incredible journey. And one thing I really like for people to take away is education should be your choice for your kids and for your family, for your needs at this time in your life. If you see that your kid is struggling at school, don't just keep pushing them back out the door into that situation. That's not going to help out. There are so many other different options now online that they can look into and you can look into and might suit their needs. All of our kids are different. You know, my, my, she's almost 16. She's adamant. I'm not ever going to be able to learn online the way that I can learn with my friends and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
the truth is, Tom, she's she gets good grades. She's trapped in this positive reinforcement loop and she just wants to try and leave school with all the, the top accolades. And it's like, okay, fine, you know, you do you. Whereas my other three are like, I ain't ever going back to one of those gulags. And I'm like, okay, that's also fine. Let's work with that and find you something uh, and figure this out um, because everybody is different. We're just brainwashed into thinking, school is the way and you know the education system is the way and that's the only way they'll ever get a job and that's the only way they'll ever find uh, happiness or success is if they go through hell between the age of 15 and 24 uh, so excuse me five and 24 and you have a lot can... of daniel you have a, just listening to you go through this you have a lot of courage you have a lot of courage doing what you're doing so you know kudos to you this is not easy. I can imagine a few shit your pants moments where you just kind of look up at night and, and think, I know in the book you share one. I, I can't remember if it was your daughter who hit her head. I, I forget who someone hit their head at the side of a pool. Yeah. Sam, my on. son. Yeah. yeah. And you guys shared how, like, you were like, what are we doing? We had to, you mm -hmm. had to rush and someone had to, 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 to get, I, I don't know if he got stitches in the end or, yep. or, or what happened. I forget. And, and you, you explain in the book that, you know, you're, you and your wife were thinking, what are we doing? You know, we're traveling around here and just hearing, and, and you know, something happens. We don't speak the language. We have to get medical help. We're trusting other humans that we can't communicate with to help our family, you know, help our son here. And, uh, I just imagine listening to you with everything that you've gone through. You've had a few shit your pants moments and uh, way to go, man. Like I, I just, just sitting here listening to all this is like, you're, you're a strong dude, man. It's a, it is, it is not easy to go through what you're going through. Cause I can imagine some parents at the school trying to talk to your kids. What do you do? And, and, and then they see you and then they probably not that they want to attack you, but I'm sure someone scurries up to you every once in a while and says, Oh, so you're so-and-so's father. What are you doing? And they're immediately judging you in their mind, right? Cause you're not doing what yep. they're doing. So just, geez, uh, just so much shit that you've had to put up with. So good on you. Good Thank on you, you to, to handle this. It'll be very interesting. Just you're going to have a lot to share over the, over the next 10 years. Just imagine how, how much you're going to be able to share with people, but how do you, how have you handled that? Just, mm -hmm. you, but, but to, how have you handled some of that? That could be difficult. It so, is. yeah. Do you, and, and maybe there's no good way to handle those kind of moments, but, but do you, do anything you can share around that? It is difficult when you go against any narrative, as we know, as Bitcoiners, how difficult is that going up against the, the, the narrative that people actually think they even, barely even like understanding the legacy financial system oh my god it's like you, you you can't i worked in it for 18 years i had no idea maybe i could tell you how foreign exchange worked i couldn't tell you how a credit default swap worked i couldn't tell you how a non-deliverable forward worked i couldn't even tell you how an interest rate worked all of this all kind of other you know just obfuscates everything but people when you tell people about bitcoin they're like what are you talking? Are you crazy? You just... Listen, I was one of those people not that long ago, so I need to <laughs> confess, right? Like I was like, "Are you, are you insane? Like, are you insane?" I yeah. my line, my line always where I thought I had people, where I got you. I was like, "I got you." I'm like, "Listen, I got to pay taxes here. We run a business. Mm -hmm. We run a business. 
we got to pay taxes. What? I'm not going to take your funny Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) And then to realize last year, uh, you know, realize just how wrong you are. (laughs) It's like just a very upsetting Mm -hmm. moment. It's, I don't know if it's upsetting, actually. Just so you know, uh, for, for Rockstar and, and our clients, over the, since 2008, we've done an economic update. I have a psychology, de- psychology degree. I have no business giving an economic update. But we started studying the economy deeply because our family almost lost everything in a real estate crash here in Canada in 1990. And then in, when 2008 hit, we were one year, Nick and I, into this business. And we thought, we we're caught off surprise by surprise again. Mm-hmm. How does this freaking economy work? And so we started doing a deep dive for ourselves, reading all these crazy books, not crazy books, fascinating books, trying to give some clarity. And then we started sharing two or three times a year with our clients. Hey, here's the debt situation. And it looks like we're headed here. And, you know, we're real estate investors. Our biggest risk is interest rates. So let's understand these central bankers. What is what? How do they think? How does the Bank of Canada think? You know, the Bank of England, how does it think? So Mm -hmm. like, how does this all work so we can protect ourselves? And, and then, so we've done that for 10 years. We th- and, 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 and I, I feel like it's really helped us because we've been able to buy real estate smartly and manage and navigate through this crazy world of ups and downs and prices. And we've looked at all the fundamentals and population growth and all that wonderful stuff. So that when I finally came to Bitcoin, I had this 10 years of like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is the freaking answer. Like, Oh my gosh, like this is the beautiful answer. How did I not figure this out a few years ago? Right. And it was Greg Foss, who I know has been on your podcast, who we had him in here because he lives close by. So we dragged him in here and I saw him on Twitter, just so you know. I'm like, who's this Canadian guy on Twitter? He's talking about credit default swaps. Like, this guy seems a lot smart. Like, I can't understand. I don't understand what's he, what is he talking about? Like, I don't even get it, but he seems smart. I go, can you come in for a podcast? He came in for a podcast. He starts talking. He was getting so animated about Bitcoin. (laughs) At one point, he stood up in my office and Nick, my brother's not intimidated by anybody. Okay. He's like, but both of us are just, I don't know if it's the the Scott or the Croatian blood. I don't know what it is, but both of us are like, listen, we're going to figure things out for ourselves. You don't intimidate us. We're, we're good. You know, we worked construction growing up with our father. Like we've been all like in all these different worlds. This guy stands up and he starts pointing at Nick and he goes, you don't understand. Bitcoin, you Bitcoin is a rounding error. You gotta buy you buy it now, buy everything you can. He just starts like pointing at Nick, standing up in Nick's face, right? And we're like, holy smokes, this guy, we're you know, Greg, we're on board. Like we are on board. <laughs> you know? But he was he was so passionate about and uh, to be fair, Bitcoin was about twelve thousand dollars US then. Mm-hmm. And he was saying it's a rounding error. Just buy, don't even talk to me about because I think we were asking him, well, you know, like would it go to 15, you know. <laughs> We're like asking these these questions, right? Like, um, so anyway, I'm off, I'm off track, but, but you're right. It is when you go against the narrative and you start looking, peeling back the curtain, it's kind of like a wonderful world, but people question you. Mm -hmm. So you seem to have, you seem to have handled that quite well. But so with, with, you know, questioning the education system when, when you, because people think, it's their birthright, right? You, you, you hear, well, free education is a human right. Yeah, great. That's brilliant. Absolutely. On board with that. Can't question that. But I do question, but then they have total monopolistic power over what you are going to learn about. It's like, oh, there's the trade-off. 
that's and now I see the trade-off clearly like yeah basic human right but we are going to teach you what we deem fit to teach you and we're going to make certain rules around it as well and one of those rules is you know what they're bringing here in France right now age of three mandatory to go to school like what three like three I thought five was bad you know like sending your kid to at the age of five and dressing them in a little commie uniform as well like what is that did you, so did you say mandatory? Uniform? Mandatory? Yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. Wow! And and that's, that's what they're passing sold, here. That's being sold as an idea of like almost like free daycare or something. Is that like how the, yep. the idea is being p- passed along? Like, okay, okay, absolutely. So you you've got the situation here now uh, where kids are rushing their excuse me, parents are trying to rush their kids into like being potty trained um, by the age of three because. They've got to be going to school, but like oh, they wow. can't, they can't let that shit happen naturally. No, this now has to be pushed. And then they take a kid, a, a three-year-old kid to a school gate. So it's the year you turn three, right? Yeah. You might not even be turning three to like November or December, but because it's the year that you turn three. So you've got a two-year-old turning up at a school gate. That's like, what is this place with all these weird other human and why the hell is mommy walking off and why is that gate just closed? And You know, how can you do that to kids? Right. But this is sold as this is free daycare. So you can go carry on and go about your good business. So we can take 50 cents of your dollar <laughs> into our coffers. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a system. It's just a system that is making decisions. And, and because the system's off kilter, the decisions then are completely off kilter. That's just crazy. I, I had I had no idea. Um, so, okay. So just to, to your story, do you get to a moment where, um, you know, you've decided you're going to permanently now, is this France, you're going to set this, you're, you feel like you're going to stay or at some point, will you move around? Where, where are you now? I'm curious. Yeah, so we we are still in France at the moment. Uh, I think maybe a year, then gone again. Don't know where. Okay. Always, always looking, always looking for opportunities. And I think there's going to be um, some very interesting opportunities opening up. You know, as we slowly, I, hopefully, start moving away from like uh, this. I this, agree. This I kind of. I, this kind of what complete lockdown of the globe. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I, I, it's something interesting. I, I, I saw yeah. that um, in Croatia, they announced something and I think they called it like a digital passport where it was like, if you work digitally, forget what they were. And, and, and that was interesting to me because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think Croatia is very like forward thinking type of country. Right. You know, but, but they had this where you could, I think it's six months or something where it's, if you're, if you're, if, if you, I don't know what you have to, prove but if you're not going to use or their services and you're working digitally you're welcome to be there for like six months or something like that and uh, to your point i think that's what you were alluding to i think we're going to see more and more of that over the next few years as a as economies yeah. reopen and they realize holy smokes we actually need people in here and mm-hmm. we need people doing productive things and buying things and stuff so the world might be getting really interesting for you because you might have yep. more doors that are don't even seem open to you and your family right now that might be opening really quickly. The the one thing that yep. comes to my mind is your your oldest now. I'm like, I wonder, will she? Because your oldest is your daughter, correct? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wonder, will she want to go, you know, cause that'll be an interesting dynamic. So you'll have to let us know how all, that all, all goes. And I'm sure it works out beautifully and for all the right reasons, but that's just what enters my mind. I'm like, oh, how, how does that work next? I have a 19 year old and right. I feel like now I'm like, huh, if we were like Aiden, we're out, you know, we're going to go here. I wonder what he says, you know, <laughs> I wonder yeah. what, what he does at that moment. Um, so, okay. So then how does how do you transition into, I don't know if I've heard your Bitcoin rabbit story. I'm not sure if I've heard that. And is the mm-hmm. podcast, do you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and then a podcast is birthed from that? Or, you know, yeah. what, what, can you, can you just share, share that moment for us? Yeah, absolutely. Are, are you still so okay I, for time, Daniel? You, are you, sure. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I started, uh, I, I knew about Bitcoin um, quite early on uh, because just the nature of my business working for an exchange, uh, you know, we, we heard about this internet geek money that was going to try and challenge the the financial legacy system we're like yeah whatever guys you know good luck with that and i think i remember seeing the news about um the mount gox exchange being hacked and going down and everybody losing their bitcoin i actually thought that was like the end of bitcoin i you know stupidly like many people i think actually i thought mount gox was the company that invented bitcoin and now it's gone and haha see you later and when it it just kept coming back into across my conscience, and um, I, I was a subscriber to to Real Vision back in the day in, in 2014, um, when they brought on some 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 people such as Turdemister and uh, Trace Mayer and a few others. I was like, oh my god! Like these guys, these these are really intelligent people talking about this in a very like a conservative manner and like this is something worth looking into that's when i really started falling uh down the rabbit hole and started trying to find more information about it and learn as much as i could about it but there wasn't a great deal around back then and it was only i would say uh so you know watching a number go up in 2017 yeah it was great fun and then it all just started falling back down and you know it's like okay well we'll just hold on and see what happens you know that might happen again i still at that point didn't even know about the halving or anything i I still hadn't found all of these different kind of uh intricacies around uh around bitcoin didn't understand the tech in any way shape or form and 2018 2019 comes around 2019 an explosion of an incredible content content like you've never seen before in the past you know parker and robert writing you know their their pieces amongst others Gigi, and then the books start coming out Knut's books uh andy edstrom's book uh safe's book of course um you're like oh my god the conviction level just started going up and up and up and then the 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 exploration of what it truly means to move society onto a sound money just started. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like every aspect of life. Well, imagine what that's going to look like on a Bitcoin state. Imagine what, how people are going to behave in this situation. And, and you watch what's going on in the news right now and how people are so, you know, we, we don't have this, we have this ridiculous situation where people are going to work but they they can't save any of the money that they're working for it's being completely manipulated and stolen from them you know via inflation and we have this one 
in every country has this monopolistic control over their own currency and they're just playing with it like it's just a plaything at the expense of everybody else that's out there doing the work and trying to earn a, a living and save for their family and that's all being manipulated my, my conviction levels led me to the podcast just purely because oh, I just wanted to shout from the rooftops like guys you gotta wake up this is what they're doing you know the, the the game is up. I can see through it like you two, like you two now. Like you, you know, once you see it, you cannot unsee it. You just can't. And you want to share it with as many people as possible. Like Greg in your office, like getting in your face is just like, just bye. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> and I figured if I start a podcast, that's gonna help maybe some friends and family of mine will listen to it and that will help them because they're, they're certainly not listening to me. Uh, maybe they'll listen to someone else. Um, so I started the podcast as, as a project to see where it went uh, just over a year ago. And I've been bowled over by the response. I, I can't believe the, the guests that agreed to come on. And my daughter's become an integral part of the show, which is great to include her in it. Uh, she always asks the first question and it's it's been you know here we are 135 episodes later and it's been a, an amazing journey so um we i don't think we shared the name of the podcast but it's once bitten correct so if you want to find Bitch. daniel's podcast just look for once bitten basically anywhere and you're going to find it and we'll link to it and and, and share it that way as well in the show notes and, and all that kind of stuff but what, where do you think you said something interesting there i i feel like that's what we've been battling with with real estate because it's it's been like the Bank of Canada, which is our central bank, can make a decision overnight. If they decide to raise interest rates, the real estate market could just be devastated like uh, overnight. So that was always our biggest risk factor. And then it became very obvious to me how manipulated things were. Well, I'm like, wait, there's just this group of people in a room who are just humans like you and I kind of making these arbitrary decisions that seem to always lean. In Canada, we seem to copy whatever the U.S. does, right? So if the U.S. is going to lower rates, we're going to lower them even more. If they're going to print money, we're going to print. So it's like we're not even we're not even independent as a country, it seems. You know, we just kind of seem to copy what another country is doing. And it has a great effect on the properties that we're owning, but we still went down the real estate and, and uh, path because that was one way we feel like we could use the monetary system as the way it was set up to our own advantage because we could borrow money. We could, we could create the, you know, when we sign a mortgage, we're creating money out of thin air. We're literally, you know, you sign the papers to get a mortgage, that money didn't exist. You literally create it. So I'm like, okay, if the bankers get to do that, this is the one way I've figured out that we can do play their game. Right. And if we can outsmart them at it by good income properties and manage this stuff, maybe we can kind of get ahead. And, and then it kind of led me down, like, what is money? And, you know, it kind of led me down the gold path, started buying gold and silver. And it, I came to realize that Bitcoin to, to represents the separation of money from state. And I feel when that happens, we can get some independence back as an individual and we can get some freedoms back. And if the state or government wants to do something, then they have to persuade us to vote for them to raise our taxes and do it in the proper way. As opposed to when you marry money with the state, they don't really have to do anything smart. They just make any decision and they print the money and, you know, they offer daycare to three-year-olds or, or school to three-year-olds and everybody, you know, and no one kind of gets ahead. So it, it does, it, it maybe sounds a little crazy, you know, maybe 
you know, maybe too positive, but I, I feel like Bitcoin represents a, a really bright future for, for all of us. And I think when you go down the rabbit hole and you start sharing it, people can think you're a little bit too converted to it, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the, that's the kind of battle, right? Like, how do you explain this thing? Do you, I'm curious, do you have like, what's the one book you share or blog post or video when someone wants to get to know about Bitcoin? other than coming to your podcast and listening to your guests speak, is there one mm. thing you share? Is it Safe's book maybe, or is that too deep for somebody just getting started? Where, where do you point them? I'm curious, cause I get that question a lot and I'm like, huh, you know what? You just gotta go down this freaking rabbit hole and good, good luck, cause it's, cra <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, do you have one resource uh, or, or something you like? I try and match a resource to, to the person that's asking. Um, so for example, a friend of mine uh, who's still in the foreign exchange markets, like he texted me, right? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll give up. Give me a book. What book should I read? Uh, so for somebody like that, I would always safe. recommend. Safe. I was going to say safe book for someone like that. The Bitcoin standard or no? No. Um, Andy Edstrom's book. Why buy Bitcoin? Oh, okay. I don't even know that book. Okay. Yeah. So why buy Bitcoin by Andy? Uh, because Andy is, he's a financial analyst. He's a wealth management uh, business. He, he uh, works in a family office, but he also used to work for Goldman Sachs and I can't remember who else. Uh, so he comes from Wall Street. So somebody from within that business, I can say, right, go read that book because you're going to really enjoy that. Uh, another guy, um, he's like, right, I want a book just... 200 pages long, don't give me anything uh, ridiculously long. And um, it's just going to kind of lay out the basics. And I'm like, okay, Sovereignty Through Mathematics by Knut von Holm. Uh, you know, pick that one up. Um, and Knut has another one, Independence Reimagined, <clears throat> which is a very, very good resource. Safe's book for, for people that love history. I always say, well, you know, go go hit up Safe's book because that, that first, like 70% of the book is it takes you on that journey, doesn't it? And, and it makes you realize like, oh my God, if people like articles, Robert Breed loves, uh, I love his uh, Masters of Slaves and Money. I think that is very hard hitting uh, piece of writing. Or and, Guy and, will and even Bitcoin, read it for you. Oh yeah, that's right. That's Guy Swan, right? Reads it. Is that who that is? Yeah. 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 Bitcoin Audible, Guy Swan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and uh, Robert Breed loves other article about Bitcoin and the number zero. I think yeah. that one for me, whatever reason, that one just got me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I remember printing that one off. Okay. Sorry. And I interrupted. Keep going. Any, any other, any other come to mind? These are all great. Oh, um, Gigi's 21 lessons are brilliant because that just, that's taking like a walk through, uh, another guy's mind and he just lays out like, um, this is, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And it's like, Oh, right. It's like he, he talks you through how the dots suddenly joined in his mind. And that, that definitely helped me. I thought that was brilliant. Um, <clears throat> Parker Lewis's writing is brilliant. For those people who are more kind of like economically minded or might be a little bit more academic, I always put them onto Parker's work because he writes about like the central banking system and the price uh, stability mandate, uh, which might get people um, interested. Uh, but there's... There's so much. Uh, I'm, I'm doing no, I'm going to take all, all of the ones you've you've mentioned because yeah. I've never done this. I'm going to put them into the show notes of this episode. 
just so I we've got a Schiller you. Canadian. We've got a Schiller Canadian. I know that. I was just going to bring up Jesse Berger. Did you? Oh, did, yeah, come on. Yeah. Has, has Jesse? Oh, you have. Okay, great. Because I was just going to. That's that's where I was headed. Yeah, I was going to say if you haven't had Jesse Berger, so I can't keep up with you. I can't keep up with everything you're doing. He's already been on you. You are surrounded by Canadians. I I'm going to start telling am, everybody. Yeah. Princey has he a was tendency actually, um... to get Canadians on the show. <laughs> this was his first podcast. Oh no way! My my my, my pod was the, the first one that he did. Yeah, um, and he sent me a PDF of the book before before he launched it, and I was like, "Man, this is awesome! Like, yeah, I can't wait to actually get my hands on it." Uh, and I really really love it. He's he's. I love that book for getting started too, because every page is basically an independent thought on Bitcoin. So you can literally just go to anywhere on the book. So that's a great book. Magic Internet Money, Jesse Berger. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you a funny story on that. Jesse and Greg were on a podcast together here in our office, actually in this room, on the other side of this room, which you can't see right now. And Greg again gets so animated. He's like... I'm going to buy 50 copies of this book. Anybody listening to this book, you come to Rockstar office and you will get a free copy of the book. And we're like, we don't know he's saying this. And this is right in the middle of you know, COVID and no one's going to offices and this kind of stuff. So we become a book distribution center for Jesse Berger via Greg Foss. And we have 50 copies and we have random people from, which is great. Like we, like to me, that's what we want to be doing. Right. But it was funny. People were walking into the front of our office here and say, Hey, can, you know, is this where I get a free copy of Jesse Berger's book? You know, and our team at the front was handing out these copies of, <laughs> of the book. So we became a book distribution center for a little while. So uh, anyway, love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it was great. It was just great that people would come here and you're giving that information, and you know, the, and one, one young guy, Got it. And he said he, I think he was working on a construction job site. And he said, I'm going to take this, read it, and I'm going to share it with all my friends on the job site. And I thought, this is, you know, this is it. This is like, share it, you know, let's kind of spread it around. So when you hear it being discussed like that, you're like, this is what we need, right? Let's sharing this information in mm-hmm. this capacity. Um, anything that, that um, y- you, you would like to share about, you know, your, your life so far, Bitcoin, uh, doing the podcast, family, that maybe you don't get a chance to, to share? I, don't, I know that's not the best question, Daniel, but I'm just thinking this is like just a platform for you. Yeah. So like anything, I don't no, know. This, there is. Um, I think Bitcoin is is so important to the family. I think uh, the, uh, and Marty Bent has talked about this before on his show, Tales from the Crypt, brilliant podcast. Him and Matt O'Dell do it. Um the breakdown of the family, right? This is this has been going on for for decades, right? Two or three generations, and it's been a slow creep and an attack on family values. And you know, you 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 attack that, and you slowly diminish the uh, community and the, the society. And this is, I, I don't think it's talked about enough, to be honest with you. Um, you know, w- women were aggressively pushed into the workplace, like aggressively pushed into the workplace, especially uh, my generation. Uh, you know, it's very much now expected for the woman to, to go to university and then to become a lawyer and, you know, to be successful and, and to earn just as much as, uh, you know, uh, a man. And yes, 100% all up for that. But at the same time, that should not be like the the ultimate goal in life the 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 goal in life should be you know to 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 raise a family and to be able to do that together not just 
the one person, whoever the breadwinner is, and certainly not to have two breadwinners that have to give a kid up after two months of paternity leave and then go straight back to work. That's a disaster for everybody involved uh, with, with, with Bitcoin and having this opportunity to, to save and to store your value and to slow your life down and to concentrate on the core truths in life. This is what Bitcoin brings to the top, right? It, it exposes truths and exposes the, the, the wrongs in the world. You know, it shines a light on the morally just and exposes the charlatans. It's like you can see all of the, the so much noise crumbles away when you interact and you hold Bitcoin and you can, you can feel the power of just, just the knowledge that, you know, I'm going to be able to reach financial freedom with this, with this asset, with this tool, with this technology, with this money, whatever you want to call it, whatever you feel comfortable calling it. For me, it's a store of value. And I know that I can take the fiat money that I've, I've managed to accrue and worked for hard and store that on the network, on the Bitcoin blockchain. And over time, that is going to accrue in value. That's going, my purchasing power is going to go up. And that's, we've never, we've not had that. <clears throat> and it's hard for people to, to put into context the difference that makes in a person's life and the, the decisions that you can now see clearer and the fact that you can see into the future and you have hope, like you say, you, you see just, uh, you, you're way more optimistic about the future than you ever were before because you're not running that thousand miles an hour on the hamster wheel just to keep up. And by the way, you can never keep up because they're going to just keep printing and printing more money to devalue the money that you've already earned. It's so unfair what's going on. It's so unfair. So this, to have this other system, to have this answer, and to have that, you, you can breathe. You can think. You can spend more time with the people that you truly love. And I, I'm so bullish for the future of humanity and rebuilding society and rebuilding families. I, I'm so happy. You know, I think about your kids. I think about my kids, like the world they're going to be able to grow up in um, with. Sure, they're going to have their own challenges and their own worries. But with, with this, hopefully what we're doing is, is, is taking away that crippling worry of uh, the, the financial burden that we've, we've been a prisoner to for our entire adult lives. So, so well said, Daniel. I, I think that's so important what you said, because I think sometimes people will hear about this and think Bitcoin is a way that, uh, oh, you're going to just make money off Bitcoin. And sure, the value could go up over time and, and likely will, as I think we both <laughs> think it will, um, almost certainly. Um, but it, it, it represents something bigger than that, to your point, because if you can work your whole life and you can put your time and labor into something that's not going to lose its value, then when you get to a certain age in life, you can slow down if you choose. You can become a mentor 
to other people and share your wisdom and your life experiences. And you can do that with a certain peace of mind because you know your savings are going to be secure and not lose their value. So there is this moral code and this values that this brings to society that I think is not discussed. So I love that you, you talk about it in that way. Because I, I think it is fun to talk about the price when it's moving up. And, you know, uh, I think when the price made its last move, there was that one meme where it's like, pump it up, pump it up. I don't yeah. <laughs> and I was playing that at, at, at home and my wife now hears that, you know, so like, it's fun. Like that, that's definitely fun, you know, but, yeah. but I think it represents something bigger. And so when you're out there sharing that type of message and, and other people, Robert Breedlove comes to mind. I feel like John Vallis comes to mind, you know, the, these guys. Um, and, it, and it is interesting. Like, think about it. Look at your life and look at what you've decided to put a stake in the ground and share with the world. Look at John Vallis, what he's decided to put a stake in the ground and share with the world. Look at Jeff Booth, what he's decided to put a stake in the ground. Look at Greg Foss. Look at Jesse Berger. These are people from all different backgrounds. Jeff Booth, tech guy. Greg Foss, bond trader, right? Your, your, yourself, digital, you know, ex foreign exchange trader, digital nomad, right? And I'm, I'm, I don't want to label you, you know, I'm just using that as temporary thing. Yep. Um, but it's interesting that so many people from all different walks of life have decided this is the thing I'll put my stake in the ground with and share. So I, I do think it represents something larger. And I, I do sometimes... Um, struggle with the best way to communicate that. Because I think sometimes people are like, I don't want to hear about this Bitcoin. I know the price is going to go up, price is going to go up, you know, but to me, it just def definitely represents something larger. So, you know, thanks for what you're doing and the guests you're sharing. It's, it's, it's valuable stuff. You're making an impact. So keep doing what you're Thank doing. You. Yeah. Um, Thank so you very much. Yeah. The, po the podcast is once bitten. Princey is at Princey1976 on Twitter. You share a bunch of great stuff. Um, any other, you are, is that the two best ways to find you? The podcast once bitten and on Twitter, Princey1976, anything else? Yeah, there's uh, once-bitten.com. If people want to go and uh, head over there and uh, learn a little bit more about me, I think I've got the first chapter of the book just up there for people to read. And um, the, the sponsors of the show, if you're interested in the Bitcoin space, you can go and learn about the different companies that are in there. Um, if you want to fall down the rabbit hole. Um, That's once-bitten.com, correct? Yes, correct. Uh, yeah, I would say, I think there's even a link there to our family blog, which uh, we we had princesoffthegrid.weebly.com, which I kept up to date when we were on our travels. And that had all of our adventures, ups and downs, and different home swaps. There's a whole chat there's a whole tab on home swapping there's a whole tab on world schooling and and um and other stuff as well so there, there's some more information there and the book if you're thinking i mean the book um choose life by daniel prince there it is you can find that i'm sure on amazon and if you're thinking about you know taking a step to quitting your own job i think it's another great resource because you're just this is what i love about your stories like you did it 
This isn't a book about like, okay, here's the things I think you should think about. And here's some tips and, and that kind of stuff. And the tips that you share in there are much more than um, just about, you know, quitting your job, because I think I forget what page number it is, page 46, clearing your mind using your to do list strat, not to do uh, using your list strategy, That's something Nick and I have talked yes. about for years that like when we're freaking out, and you think the world is going to come crashing down on your head. If you just take out a piece of paper, and you list out things, not even a to do list, just list things out. So it's really helped us over the years. And so to read about that in your book, and how you use that, as a strategy for yourself. Yeah. To me, your book is, is uh, great for all that kind of stuff. So that's the, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The reverse to-do list, I call it. Uh, because I, I sometimes get to the end of the day and I just start beating myself up. You know, I've, I've been so ineffective today. I've not done anything. And, you know, it's like, right, before you get into that, get out the, you know, get out a notepad like this is just full of it. <laughs> I think I just flicked through all the, um, the empty pages there. Um, that's, um, Right, you know, even everything you've done that day, just start doing it. Like run kids to, you know, for run kids to school, yes. Uh, call mum, yes. Uh, emailed, yes, yes, yes. Because how many emails do you send a day, right? You know, um, called so-and-so, yes. Arranged this, yes. Stuff, you'll be shocked how much shit you do on a day. And when you're getting ready and you want to sit down and you just want to chill out and watch Netflix for 45 minutes and your mind is telling me, you know, you've been so lazy, just do that. You'll be absolutely, it's amazing. It's a very, very good mind quietening trick to do the reverse to-do list. And um, just the art of crossing through that one thing after another, after another, after another, it shuts the old monkey mind up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. So, and then Daniel, listen, if you ever end up in Canada, you're going to have a bunch of us all kind of meet, we're going to meet up. So you got to let us know. We'll kind of rally One all day, the man. troops together. It, it's a big country. So a few of us are spread out like a Jeff Booth's like a five hour flight, but we'll get them all. <laughs> yeah. And we'll all do uh we'll all do a meetup or maybe better yet. We should all go to the V the Island of Vis off the coast of Croatia. We should meet up there. That's actually the better idea. That's the much better idea. Yeah. Um, Once we're all traveling again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one thing I, I keep wrapping up, but there's one thing on, on this Bitcoin thing, you do feel for yourself, it will be a vehicle to continued freedom for yourself. Yeah, uh, because, of, yes, because, because, because of the adoption of where I know, I know I was about to end and I'm throwing in this last question, but that is something you believe and, and is a primary reason just as more people recognize the system's broken and this is a place to kind of circumvent and kind of hide out, like hide out and get out of the system. Is that the primary reason? Uh, I, I think what's going to happen, we're already seeing it play out at the state level in the U S now, uh, different States uh, starting to adopt Bitcoin is going to happen at a country level. Actually, I think it already did. Somebody, somebody put a tweet out the other day that uh, a nation state, fund i think is buying bitcoin i can't remember you're right one. i think it's a fund um, in, the, in new zealand maybe I, I forget but i think i saw that as well this is going to start happening so quickly <clears throat> that um these these countries like you know you, you mentioned croatia earlier doing the digital nomad passport whatever it is that the next natural step for that for me i think is going to be okay yeah um, we're going to be looking certainly for people who are interested in uh in cryptocurrency 
they'll start with cryptocurrency. It'll be a bit shitcoiny, unfortunately. Um, but then it'll just be the realization: well, okay, Bitcoin. You know, this is this is it. We've got to start building uh, a a a network around Bitcoin and um, attracting the the entrepreneurs in this space. Because, like, look at the legacy financial system. How many services we have layered on top of that the same is going to happen to bitcoin right now we have lightning for example um what gets layered on top of lightning and where do we go you know what's happening with um we're gonna have to have tools where you can we already have them but they've got to get better and more trustworthy where you can you know put up bitcoin as collateral in return for fiat currency if you really want it um or Real estate, you know, do, do we get to a day where Tesla just announced we're going to, uh, you know, we will accept Bitcoin for our um, our cars. The next natural step for me is where's the finance finance arm for Tesla? You know, I park a Bitcoin for you with you for X amount of years and we enter into an agreement where we check the price of Bitcoin after each year and perhaps you release back to me X amount offset against the car and the, the price of Bitcoin and come the end of the three years, either you take the car back, I keep it, I take a new one. And then we would, you know, there's got it. All of this is going to slowly be built on, on top of this network that we have Bitcoin. And it's going to create incredible opportunities. And I think staying open to the idea of, of moving to one of these jurisdictions or, or countries that are going to adopt and trying to attract uh, people that are holding Bitcoin or are building companies around Bitcoin. If you're open to that, I think you've got a hell of a life ahead of you because it's going to be a real amazing place to be. You got another book in you coming. I can tell. We're gonna have part two to this story. There's another book. I know you're gonna be sharing in real time on the on the on the podcast anyway, but there's another book in you, um, Daniel. Thank you so much. I mean, thank you for sharing all this. Really appreciate it. You have some fans over here. If you're listening to this, subscribe to Once Bitten Daniel's podcast, and uh, really just appreciate everything you're doing. Please keep doing it. So thank you. Well, and same goes to you, man. Uh, everything that you're doing over there for your community and uh, for the people that you're helping and for spreading the word of Bitcoin. Really appreciate it. Glad to be on your team and uh, part of the journey. Hey, everybody. So hopefully you uh, enjoyed listening to Daniel Prince. The website to learn more about Daniel is once-bitten.com. That's once-bitten.com. You can get him on his podcast that is called Once Bitten, and you can find him on Twitter at Princey1976. We love sharing these kinds of stories with you. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for the feedback that we get on this podcast. Appreciate all of it. If you are listening to this and you want to participate in some of the real estate stuff that we're doing, you can learn more about that at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it. Hope you're having a good day out there. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>